you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the NFL podcast is floating on a dark lake. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I am coming to you from a country filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal in Los Angeles. Ricky Hollywood also, it appears, in Los Angeles. What's up, boys and girls? Hey, Dan. Well done. We're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's good to be back a week away. As you can tell from my background here on the video stream, I'm back in Texas. Got the big shuffleboard table behind me, and I essentially unplugged, went off the grid in a lot of ways last week uh, as we turn our attention to a completely bizarre uh, 2020 training camp scenario that may or may not be happening. And we're going to get into all of that <laughs> on today's show. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I went fishing uh, yesterday. That was nice. Made a pizza on the grill yesterday. So I know this is mm. not an easy time for a lot of people. So I don't want to brag too much, but it's, you know, that, what is that saying? They say you can go to, you can all go to hell. I'll go to Texas. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it feels like down here at Lake LBJ, and I do have a little bit of uh, guilt about it, to be honest. How about you, Mark? Hmm. What did you do last week? Well, I, you know, I, I often um, take issue with you enjoying life more than me, but I and this time around, I'm gonna I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm happy for you. No, I mean, I I feel like I come off that way, and I I'm happy for you that you found a a good situation for the family down there. I saw. Um, a picture of Jack who uh, was in a hammock looked very comfortable. I think that is um, you've handled it very well and I'm happy for you. I would say my week was a, I, like you, I disappeared um, 
I didn't really have a chance to put pizzas onto grills and things, but um, I ate some pizza here and there, and I, I watched a bunch of movies. <laughs> and I'll tell you the other thing I did was I held out this little hope that the week sojourn away from um, the podcast would somehow uh, remove or wipe away or sanitize all the ugliness that we've dealt with for um, essentially months. And it didn't do a thing. You come back and, and it's, you it's, know. it's all still there waiting for you. So um, we've got, we've, <laughs> we're not out of the woods yet on the off season front. Uh, we're in the middle of the woods. No, we're just one of those situations where you look in all directions and all you see is woods. Well, right. It's, it's, it's a similar woods situation, except adding to that, adding to that is we're going to have a lot more work ultimately. Uh, not that we haven't been working, but we're going to have more. Uh, coming Are you up. trying to get Mark to run away? No. We, we, we're already down west right now. We can't lose Cecil. No, no, we can't. Yeah. Um, fishing, though. I was going to say fishing underrated, but I guess I guess people are kind of on top of that fishing's great. But uh, as someone who has not experienced fishing much, the, the few times in my life that I went fishing um, with my wife, I mean, it, 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 it's underrated. I wish I could do it more. I kind of think fishing is properly rated. Okay. Um, I was I was actually doing it legit where you're you got the hook and you're putting bait on it. So you, when you try to put an earthworm, for instance, onto a hook and then it shoots poop on your fingernail and you're like, what? Earthworms poop. What's that? I don't like that. Seems yeah. unnecessary. <laughs> um, it's it's like dirt that they're pooping. And it's just like, what is their quality of life? And then yesterday I'm putting uh, live minnows on the on 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 the hook. And I'm just as. I grew up in the suburbs, but compared to everyone else down here, I'm a, a, a city boy. I'm just thinking about that poor minnow. Mark, you know, you leave that you leave that uh, vegan lifestyle. Yeah, when I stick a hook through a living minnow to try to to use it to entice another fish to eat him. What, what are we doing here with the fishing industry? Well, yeah, it seems a tad unnecessary, but I, I this is coming from someone that spent um, long Saturdays putting earthworms under like sun through a microscope and watch them mm. squirm. And I'm not saying recently, but as a child and, uh, you know, biology comes up to us in many forms. Yeah. That's what Mark was doing last week. It's just like killing earthworms. <laughs> well, it was last week also. Oh, you're running out of things to do around here. So, um, how are you, Erica? I'm good. Good. Refresh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like killing when her. Little, when you hear that little like click sound, that's Erica has the mute button on her mic. She's like, can I get through this open without having to pay attention? And then the clicks like, oh, God, scramble time. No, there was a uh, the dumpster was getting picked up by the garbage truck and I was trying to keep Ooh. the beeping off of the show. Um, <laughs> but what a producer. Sounds of the know. city. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it was good. I went to the beach yesterday. I went on like a five mile hike on Saturday. You know, well, how did you? Yeah, outdoors. It's a place good, to be. Yeah. It's Gotta place be outside. What's going on in California, though? Aren't they shutting that place down again? Seems I'm not coming like back, it. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Pretty shut down. <laughs> I mean, the, I outdoor, be honest. the outdoors are free. You know, the outdoors, it's been beautiful weather. I mean, yeah, last week I feel like was up and down, at least with my kids. But uh, the the more outdoors we can do on the weekend, the better. At least that, that part of it, I feel like, hey, I'm glad I'm in California. You know, that... That's the part that's OK. And I should be honest, uh, because I haven't been to this point right behind me. You guys could see. Well, I got to go this way, I guess. Um, it says on the wall behind me, Bob's. And you might think that's Bob Bates, DDS, my father in law. 
uh, on the wall his name. But no, it's actually I'm in uh, Bill O'Brien's attic here in in Texas. <laughs> I've been in a summer house, and uh, you know, based on what I'm, I'm hearing, yes, what you might expect to be true, he's a little bit tense, a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's Dan like, had he's only one media supporter out there, Dan. Oh, I want right. to, uh, you know embrace you and, and give you this free lodging for the summer. You've always stood by me, Dan. <laughs> it's not the uh, attic recreational area I would have imagined for um, Bill O'Brien. Right, but mister. What do you think what, you're what is that? doing? You call this a room? This is a pigsty. I want you to straighten up this area now. You are a disgusting slob. Oh, Bill, come on. give me. I'm doing a podcast here. Already in conflict. Well, he doesn't like power. He he doesn't lose power struggles. So I don't like this. Your chances here. <laughs> he thinks he could just storm up upstairs in his own home and berate me during a popular NFL podcast. Well, he's got another thing coming. All right, coming up on today's show, we'll get you caught up to date with all COVID-related matters in the NFL and training camp, which actually technically opens today for the Texans and Chiefs, who. Uh, rookies report today and we'll get into what that means. What is that actually? It's not your traditional type of reporting uh, and whether or not the rest of the teams are going to follow because things have, are getting more and more complicated by the day, by the hour. We're also going to spin the win- wheel of teams, uh, get you some other updates uh, since Mark and I have been gone. Let's hit the news, Ricky. When I say you're in our thoughts and you have our full support for the fight that you're about to go through. You know, fingers crossed for you, man. Good luck and everything. Stay safe, stay well, and you know, we'll see you on this other side. And uh, hope, I hope to hear your voice on the, the podcast again soon. Um, I just... <laughs> Life isn't fair, man, but I'll, I'll say this. We're, we're, we're all rooting for you over here. Every one of us, it doesn't matter who you support, what your background is, we all want you to get through this. Awesome video put together by at NFL with Nia uh, showed up this weekend and a bunch of overseas listeners um, giving their best wishes to our friend Chris Wessling, who, of course, is fighting the big C once again. And he's uh, in the middle of treatment right now and he's hoping to get back on the show soon. But it's just a matter of uh, making it work and his body cooperating with him. So uh, but thank you to Nia and everyone that um Recorded messages for Wes because it definitely makes a difference, and I know Wes was touched by it. Yeah, it was amazing. He even made a joke uh, <laughs> responding on Twitter. You know, let's keep it a secret. I guess I'm blowing the secret, but uh, you know, he's got a special place in his heart for the for the UK and the overseas listeners. Maybe, maybe even his favorites. And uh, I don't know. I know. I know it was not an easy week, and, and Wes has has sent out some messages about that. I'm not speaking for him on, on his Instagram, so I stuff like this uh, really does um, touch him. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that like the toughest thing is to be going through it a second time because for a lot of people you think, Oh, he's into the journey and he completed it. And it was this huge moment of victory, but um, it's very good to see how many people are rallying around Chris with twice the strength um, this time. All right. Let us get into it. And yes, uh, Wes, I know you're listening. Well, maybe he's listening. I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I feel like he's he's got a lot on his plate. I mean, does this show ease ease the burden? I don't know. I'm not. 
not sure that's different. It's, <laughs> it's just like there's not, you know, it's also not, there's not a lot of football news going on right now. <laughs> right. I'm I sure you're wrong. I have, I have no idea. Yeah. He, he can tell me if I'm wrong. When during my week's stay in LA before I got the hell back to Texas, did get a chance to see Wes, Erica, you were there as well, uh, Link and Lakeisha, and that was awesome. And they were all in very positive spirits well i don't know if the baby was in positive spirits but he seemed to be happy he can't really talk or anything but wes and Lakeisha, <laughs> as you would imagine um in a very good emotional place in terms of their strength as you'd imagine so best wishes to them and we're going to be along with on the ride with them all right let's get into the news in the nfl let's start with something that happened over the weekend on sunday nfl players jumped on twitter in mass in a coordinated effort uh to kind of get the NFL to play ball with them and uh, and comply with some guidelines that experts have thrown out there on safely opening training camps amid the corona, uh, coronavirus pandemic. Many of the players use the hashtag, we want to play with their tweets, which to me brought back memories of uh, baseball's infernal labor struggle that happened a couple months back, uh, but I believe it was Similar sentiment we want to play. And it's it's a situation where the players, and this is a group of star players that all sent out tweets Sunday, Drew Brees, Todd Gurley, Miles Garrett, uh, you name it, big stars from across the spectrum of the league, uh, Michael Thomas, uh, saying if you guys can't get on board with um, a, a plan that is focused and is out in front of us ahead of reporting for training camp, well, we don't know how we can play football. And now it's basically firing uh, Greg an arrow at the NFL. Uh, let's talk. Let's figure this out because I feel like uh, maybe we've wasted some time here this summer. Yeah, I I think the NFL and this country is in a place they didn't expect two months ago. You know, whether you want to criticize whether they should have expected it better or not, I'm not that interested in it. I, I just think the players all talking as one voice – uh, is fascinating because I think they learned how powerful social media can be in that way. You know, this summer after after George Floyd's killing, and and I think it's a totally different matter. But I, I think it is different than let's say another time when the players in in the NFL were going back and forth. Let's say like during the lockout, you know, ten years ago, and they're using this voice to get their. Um, say out there. I also think though, as someone like us watching from afar, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to watch and see because everyone is in a crazy hurry. How did, you know, but what is to me, what is the huge hurry? Like, okay, that the players are, are showing up today uh, apparently in Kansas city and Houston just to get tested. And the NFL and the union are talking today and they've basically been talking every day. And if things don't get settled, We'll see if the veterans are actually showing up and we'll see how this on ramping is. Um, but I'm not like panicked about it because I- I'm not that like fascinated by this play by play of what's going to happen. Like, let's see where we are in a, a really a week from now. A lot of the issues are getting worked out. It is incredibly complex. And I guess that's part of the thing where I'm not freaking out. Like, it is an incredibly complex problem that. The testing has to be figured out. The money has to be figured out. And most, more than anything, the safety has to be figured out. And the testing especially is something that, to me, is like there is no good solution. There, there literally is no good solution to, to the testing. And so I'm curious how they're going to pull it off. 
but but like anyone saying that it's just like easy and that they should have it figured out, I think are are unrealistic. Yeah, it, you know, Demora Smith wrote um, the MQB this week. Uh, he's the NFLPA executive director, and he used the term "perfect problems with imperfect solutions." And I mean, if you want to spin positively, you could look at what the NHL just released that out of eight hundred. Uh, players that they tested that two were positive, that there is a chance that football can happen. That's in the players, you know, the whole point was we want to play, but we want to mow down um, these topics that we're in a union battle over. And I think that things like the opt-out language for certain players with pre-existing conditions or family members with such, they want that clearly um, put in writing before the season begins or training camp begins that the, frequency of testing has to do with if it's a 24-hour test, that's the quickest you can get a response. Well, you don't want to find out that you had a false negative or a false positive and you've been in contact with 35 people. And that's been a major sticking point for them. I mean, to me, you got to get the test. That's part of it. I think people are understanding that these are happening in 32 different places. And I don't have the details of how the NFL is setting, settling all this, but you know, where you are, Dan, where we are, Florida, like they're in a different, very different place in terms of testing. There's an ethical question, I think, to it, too, that uh, ultimately only essential workers who are symptomatic are getting tests back that quickly. So you're basically saying we're more important than people that are sick in your state that it's a totally separate question. But the like logistics of how that's all going to be set up, whether it's daily or every other day is like hugely complex. And unlike the NHL and the NBA, they're not going to be in a bubble. They're just, they're just out there living in these communities. Yeah. Michael Thomas of the saints had a tweet. Why isn't the NFL doing what the NBA is doing, listening to their players? Well, we've talked about this on the show. It's much different what the NBA is trying to pull off with this bubble in Orlando for the end of their season and this playoff they're doing. And what the NFL's, task with doing, which is, you know, thousands of people in terms of personnel, players, coaches, and make it all work. And I've seen it. I saw it on a number of websites on social media, of course, kind of fire and brimstone attacking the NFL for like, why are we only now here? Why is this all coming to a head now? Uh, why, why hasn't the NFL planned for this ahead of time? I can guarantee you without being a shill for the league on any level that everyone behind the scenes on Park Avenue has been trying to figure this out for months and months and months, but they're just like the rest of us ultimately where I think it's, it's hard to kind of work it out and find out what you can and what cannot, cannot do. And what we just saw with baseball, when you look at uh, the relationship between the union and the league, and maybe this is the only place where you could give it to the NFL a little bit in terms of criticism that maybe there should have been more runway for communication between those two sides, because that's, just a part of professional sports as a business that there's not always going to be seeing eye to eye in that realm. Well, and, and, you know, I, I'm always tough on baseball and sometimes Dan, it gets us into, um, to issues on the, on that front, but you know what? It's, <laughs> it's words. unfair that like simply baseball was paying for this because the whole country was thinking a little bit differently in May into June when um, we thought things were changing and, and they weren't. And by the way, you can point to, you know, the black, plague or the bubonic plague as as learning points for what our society is going through. But come on. I mean, everyone's going through it <laughs> right. for the first time. And I don't think there was a 60 day period where NFL officials were just like, hey, let's go sit by the pool and not focus on this. I mean, this situation, to Greg's point, has changed almost weekly 
daily. And and at this point, they're doing all they can. But it's it's not surprising. And Judy Batista pointed out that um, she used the word befuddled, that a number of league sources were like befuddled by the players Sunday tweet storm, if that's what you want to call it. Hmm. But I think from the union side, it's just that there are these unanswerable human questions. Do we want everyone to play? Yes. Is there a chance that that's possible? I mean, they went into the Chiefs facility and Andy Reid talked about how pristine the setup is, how he believes it can work. I just think that even with that positive approach, you still have to realize there are human issues here and that every player has people at home and other things that just create these union sticking points. Well, in Kansas City, Tom Pelissero reported today was one of three teams that have been approved out of the 32, only 32 out of the three by an independent, um, you know, doctor saying that their setup is safe to start going to work. And their setup, to be clear, is they're just testing these rookies for a couple of days. Then they're just testing, um, you know, the coaches that they're not really doing anything. And then it's going to be a very slow on ramping process. I think people need to understand that too. In the NFL's best case scenario where this goes absolutely smoothly training camp still isn't going to look anything like training camp not for a while it's going to be an acclimation period where the players are working out in smaller groups then it's going to build up to some non-contact stuff on the field in smaller groups and in a best case scenario the teams are showing up on the 28th and that's why the players are pushing back because the nfl saying show up on the 28th the day is still uh, the same. And they and we're not really at a place where they can do that. Everything is not all, you know, figured out. But they hope to be, I guess, by the 28th. And in a best case scenario, like I was saying, in this plan, we're we're three weeks away from what I think people would really understand as a normal training camp. So so even even in a case where things go well, it's not gonna be like it was. And the NFL is already giving up one of those preseason games. So we saw today in the NFL's latest proposal that they're down to just hoping for one preseason game. So that's why I'm not like freaking out about what these proposals are. It was, it was four games two weeks ago. It was two games a week ago, and now it's down to one game and we'll see if we have that game or not. I'm not going to like analyze where right. we get that game or not. You know, it's just like, right. we'll, and, we'll find out then. <laughs> and please. Yeah. If we do end up with one preseason game, which I don't think there's even going to be one, right. Please do not put too much uh, into the results of that week. I imagine if players are still salty about there even being a preseason game and starters don't want to play in that game, the coaches don't want a mutiny on their hands. They'll say, you don't want to play, you don't have to play. And they'll just play guys at the bottom of the roster. And that could become something of a farce akin to maybe a week for the preseason. That's all well, stuff to be on the radar. And I just, oh, go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say, wouldn't that be the only real use of a preseason game? Yeah, I, the, the, back, the only real complaint, the none of us like preseason games, but, you know, coaches have to make these tough decisions between your seventh and eighth best cornerback. Like, Use the game for that. Maybe well, it would also out of it. It would also be to practice whatever competition is going to be like from an from an yeah. admin, sort of an organizational. And I'm sure the NFL is very concerned about that. So it it would be a little bit of a dry run of like, how can we actually run a game um, before there's 25 million people or, or whatever it is on Sunday afternoon in Week One? And like I said earlier, the first part of training camp did start today chiefs and texans rookies because they're playing the opening thursday night game so they get a little bit more of a run-up they reported to their facilities the plan is they will get tested uh at the facility on monday and tuesday then they go uh 
then they will return to their team headquarters for a physical on Thursday if the tests come back clean. And then once, uh, if that all goes to plan, they could begin strength and conditioning in groups of no larger than 15, according to a report from Bleacher Report. So that's what, that's training camp this week in the NFL. And uh, it's different. It's going to be different. <laughs> and you just hope it gets off the ground. Sean McVay apparently expressed a doubt that this is going to happen on time on July 28th. Uh, we're all going to be kind of, like we're saying, just like the news about the virus seems to change hour by hour, we the are, NFL plan will as well. We're all like, you know, living through the, the movie Tenet, you know, moving its its release day back every right. two weeks. That's the, <laughs> like, that that's is the, the country. Parallel. That is the country. Because for as much as we want to kill the NFL or what, it, and there's a lot of just anger and everything. I, I did go back and read some stuff from early May, and it's like, there wasn't there was no expectation. And and that's our own naivety and our own people had too much faith in the government are in, in everything that there was no expectation that cases would be double what they were you know, back in May. There was no expectation that the testing problem that really, I think, is is crucial for these teams um, would be in a worse situation in a lot of places. And that this uneven balance of like. Hey, a couple, you know, some of these teams are actually in okay shape to go back. It's interesting to me, Dan. I'm wondering your thoughts hearing today that Jets and Giants are are, um, already announcing that there won't be fans of the crowd. It's interesting that they were the first teams to announce that because New Jersey, New York, actually, you know, in terms of having the the you know, virus under control is in a better shape than than virtually any place right now. But they've been through it, and they sort of know that that you know they can't risk anything. They want to keep it that way. And right. I have a ton of all of my family is in New York and New Jersey and things are a lot better there right now. And that's why they don't want people coming into the area right now. They want right. to keep it that way. And the idea of, you know, getting out of the hell that was in March, April, May in the tri-state area and then saying, well, we're fine now. So let's get 20,000 people into a stadium. I'm glad there's leadership there that understands that's a, a needless risk. So hmm. that's good. news. Wait. Shh. You hear that? <laughs> Uh-oh. What kind oh, no. of a man are you? I'm trying to do You're a podcast. You're worthless and weak. You no. do nothing. You are nothing. You sit in here all day and play that sick, repulsive, electric twanger. I want an old guitar. Why? <laughs> I don't... Dan, I don't understand the Why benefit. am I here? Well, right. You have. I guess you could play shuffleboard by yourself. He doesn't sound like he wants to play with you. What no. are the? I got such a nice impression of Bill at home with his family and his, you know, his children, his wife when they when they had hard knocks. That really humanized him. And this is a different side of him at home. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah I guess when 47 NFL films cameras aren't on him, you see what really happens. Again, another also a <laughs> shot across the bow of the podcast industry. This thought that. Oh, there's no signal that could be sent out of here to bring me down, so I'll just be my natural self. Well, Bill, joke's on you, bro. Yep, use it as revenge. In other news. All right, this broke last week. Obviously, we know that the uh, Redskins no longer. They're now the Washington football team for the time being as they figure out what their new name will be. Later in the week, the Washington Post dropped a bombshell report about misconduct within the uh, organization over the last, uh, what was it, two decades, um, accusations from 15 women of sexual harassment and verbal assault against former club of, club officials. 
And uh, there is obviously going to be a lot of fallout from that, as there should be. And the Post reported that the NFL will consider disciplining the team, but is not expected to force Daniel Snyder to sell the team. At least that's where we are right now. That was an initial thought. And we saw different circumstances with Jerry Richardson and the Panthers a couple of years back when he was very quickly forced to sell the team because of some uh, very ugly issues going on behind the scenes there. Right now, it doesn't seem like Snyder will be uh, forced out of the league at this point, uh, but a fine could be coming and a hefty one at that, you would think. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, you know, that any force out is going to happen quickly, but there is more, um, there's more pressure about it than, than ever before. You know, Peter King certain, you know, writing in a column saying why Snyder has to go, um, that he's not the only one, um, you know, to be, to be saying these sort of things. And I, I do think it's just interesting, you know, more than anyone, you know, Fred Smith, the, the owner of FedEx, the minority owner of the Redskins is pushing for this in his own subtle way. I mean, he's not saying it, but he's trying to get out. And all the other minority owners of the team are trying to get out, according to the Washington Post. And that's been the case before this report. And um, I, I think we've seen this year, and, and we've seen it with the Washington name change, which is you know, a, another thing this organization is trying to deal with in a very quick manner. It's very complicated. Um, you know, money is what changes. You know, money, money is what um, forces change. Uh, at least it has a lot this summer. And I don't know, the, the minority owners trying to get out, it, it does leave it to me kind of an unsettled situation that it, maybe it's not happening quickly, but it's something I, I think everyone around the NFL is going to be watching pretty closely over the next uh, season, the next year. Well, and the problem with sports ownership is that, um, you know, it's it's it hinges on the money that you spoke about. And if you have it, you can just stay in the role. And, you know, even even if you want to just look at it from a football perspective, we like to look at these coaches and say, well, what do the what does a coach bring to the fold other than simply being in the position? What is what does Daniel Snyder do? Well, they have one playoff win um, since he took over the team in 1999. That was when our friend Chris Sims um, knocked out what they basically beat Chris Sims and John Gruden, that old Bucks you're going team. Friend, you're going track. friends with him now? Well, your friend, your buddies? Well, he's not an enemy. He's the okay. opposite of I, I like him quite a bit. But I'm just going to ask you, what does Daniel Snyder do well at all? And I feel, if anything, from an on-field perspective, that we're losing one of the better fan bases. And now, in, in general, Washington is embroiled in total madness. Um, what's been going on there? You try to tell me that the owner didn't know about any of that. Um, I simply don't buy it. I, I Ron, would be, you, do you need deep cutting changes? Snyder issued a statement Friday through the team. The behavior described in yesterday's Washington Post article has no place in our franchise or society. The story has strengthened my commitment to setting a new culture and standard for our team, a process that began with the hiring of coach Ron Rivera earlier this year. Rivera is being uh, hoisted up as kind of the symbol of change in Washington. Um, and I guess from that viewpoint, you could look at this job he has now as a great opportunity for him personally, because of the, if I almost said it, if Washington does go and turn it around and things clean up behind the scenes, he's going to get a lot of credit for that. Uh, and he probably will deserve it because he's a guy that has been in the league for a while and knows what he's doing. Uh, conversely, it's a very tough job that he just took uh, because the team has been kind of messy for years now and uh, it's been dysfunctional. And he is now the guy in, in charge of not only 
on some level cleaning up things on the field, but also being a agent of change behind the scenes. That's a lot of work for one guy to do. <laughs> right. And if you think about the the coaches that have tried that and failed, I mean, Joe Gibbs under Dan Snyder, a Hall of Famer in two sports. You know, he knows how to build. But even Gibbs. Right. He, even he, Gibbs, he, like they were just saying, Gibbs, uh, give us a winner. Rivera, you even him being cited in the quote from Snyder. Snyder's basically saying to Rivera, fix our team and fix our the culture of our organization. Right, it's right. All I mean, they, they've feet. tried, they've tried, you know, guys who are incredible play callers with the Shanahan stuff and, and that hasn't worked. And I, and I do think, um, you know, it is worth noting kind of the, just the reaction from this story. Obviously it's, you know, it's a horrible story. It's an embarrassment, but from, from some of our colleagues, like, like Lindsay Rhodes saying, and so many women who say that this wasn't news to them and it's not unique just to the Washington uh, franchise. And, and Rihanna and Walker, who, who covered the team now works for the athletic wrote a really good piece uh, in the athletic about it. And, and that it's just, it's more than just a, a Washington problem. Um, but, but also that the, I think people around the league, no one was surprised that Washington was the one that, that in this case was, was called out for it. Yeah, Colleen tweeted about it too last week that the story brought back, you know, triggered the worst memories of, you know, what she's had to deal with in the business. And I spoke with her last week about it. And, uh, you know, she said it, she said it not in a way that she was, it brought back and put her in a dark place, but that she was just, it was kind of a matter of fact thing that that's part of the business. And we have been around, you know, women that we work with for years at these league events. It is not. This is real. I mean, I've, I've seen it at the at the league events and the way, uh, you know, when people have some drinks in them, uh, the league, you know, I don't know, want to say who got involved with what, but we've all seen it. We've seen ugly behavior. And, and you would you would hope one thing that comes good comes out of something negative, just like uh, what happened with uh, George Floyd and the protests that happened is that people see what's happening to Washington and they it causes them to reflect on how they should behave. Uh, around women and and people should be treated as equals and not as a, an object to be lusted for. It's 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 real deal stuff, and I'm I'm glad that the light is being shined on it. All right. Yeah. Key thing was it's every team. It's not just one. I mean, it's like if you want to investigate deeper into each organization, you're going to find similar stories. All right. Moving on. We'll hit a couple uh, quick nuggets here before we uh, continue on the show. Two Patriots nugs, Greg. Number one, ESPN Boston's Mike Reese reports that Mosa New has hired a full-time coach to live with him this offseason. According to Rice, Sanu hopes that this setup, quote, creates a situation where his relentless offseason work produces tangible on-field results in 2020. What the hell is going on here, Greg? I love it. I love it. This is a man that once uh, he served the slander. He played. He, he had a high ankle sprain the second he showed up to New England and did not and played you know very poorly after that. Bad uh, trade by Bill. Come on, bad trade it by Bill. Probably was, but I think at least second round a, pick. It it was a bad trade, but there's a chance at least. I think he's out there training with Cam Newton, which is fun to see. There's a chance at least that he can salvage it as a useful part of their team, which he was absolutely not uh, last year. He hurt them by playing injured. He should have just gone on IR or whatever he needed to do. I would do this with every rookie quarterback who's expected to see the field. Um, any sort of key central star player, 
get have a coach with them 24 7 younger guys i mean i i kind of like the idea of it <laughs> sounds like a cbs all access show or something i don't know what it doesn't sound like major not sure i would watch it but there's a lot of digital streaming places that that, that feels like a show the coach comes to i mean dan you're li- you're living with a coach right now so i'm not sure what your <laughs> counterpoint would be keep it um, keep your voice down he could okay he could come up at any moment. Uh, well, it does. It makes me think about, listen, Sanu is privileged financially um, and he has options to do these sort of things. And I think about myself and I think everyone is the same way. You think of ways that you could make yourself into a better version of you. But then again, it's like, Mark, do you want someone living in your house 24 seven telling you to be better? That feels like it would be terrible. Um, I wouldn't mind like a plugged in life coach kind of just a moment saying like, you know, let's, let's think about that. Let's make a better decision here. You know, it wouldn't be the worst, worst. Who is that? Who is the, um, the female nutrition, nutritionist, uh, exercise lady that you were way into for a while. Way into, I mean, I was was doing the class of, um, autumn from beach body. I mean, she is, she helped me lose Helped me lose like 18 pounds in 20 days. Just did a boxing okay. class this morning. So, Autumn Calabrese, would you be okay if she was living with you in the house and just tracking you at all times to make sure you're being the best version of yourself? You I, think it would, I think it would be helpful toward my fitness. I don't think that she would sign up for that on any level. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of a different relationship between Money talks. Mo Sanu and his position coach than um, <laughs> you know, grabbing a beach body trainer sight unseen and force forcing them to live in this household, please. I'll always remember I, I texted, you know, Mark uh, a picture that Autumn Calabrese was speaking at one of the Santa Monica public libraries that I was that I was at with my children. And that was like Mark's chance to really rub elbows and meet meet his hero. Not everyone gets to meet their hero. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't do much with that advice. I apologize, Greg. <laughs> and you say, why would she want to do it? Well, money talks. Right. I don't have the money that would make that would be speaking. Let's put it that way. It's the that's the other big problem here. <laughs> Your money would be mumbling. Yeah, it would be at best, you know, a tired roar. <laughs> Wait, you want to give me $37 to live with you for six months? <laughs> right. What is the upside? <laughs> um, good news, Mark. Another Patriot news. Cam Newton is the latest pro athlete to get up. I won't even say get up on his high horse because it's it's not right to get up on a horse like that. To say the vegan lifestyle is the way to go. And uh, a plant-based diet has changed my life. And it's made my body respond in ways that I never thought it could. And uh, I'm going to do a I'm going to do a campaign with PETA, Cam Newton says, uh, wearing a vegan strong shirt. So congratulations, Mark. You have another uh, big time name in your corner in Cam Newton. Well, I think when Cam Newton signed with the Patriots, I decided either I'm going to be, you know, real antagonistic about this because I just don't like it or I'm going to get all on board. And that was before I heard this. I decided to get all on board. I love I love the whole idea of it. It's make it makes whatever part of a season we get that must that much more interesting. And there are, it is not um, unusual at this point, especially for players rehabbing and coming off certain types of injuries to look harder at diet. And um, I just would say this because I always get pegged as being this person with this diet thing. Like I just think there's huge chunks of people out there that shouldn't eat that way. Some should, some shouldn't like, I just think it, if it fits for you, it does. And there's certain athletes and certain types of bodies that um, they respond to it. 
His body's looking make... good this offseason, according to all those inst- Instagram videos there, Dan. He looks he definitely looks like he's in his... shape. You're not loving this. That he the, looks great. That the Patriots, they're back in the Truth center. Alert. They're back in the center of the Truth NFL Cam Newton. Uh, brought him back. First of all, this is being added to the trope list. The vegan diet thing. It's that absolutely is not, why now is it a, a thing. It is hardly happening long enough or distantly just, enough. We don't need it. to hear the stories about it all the time. It, you're right. It's actually common enough. I don't think that, like, it's is it that interesting as a story? And to answer well, your question. Well, that's fine. But, I mean, there's a lot of other, every other, like, tweet I see right now is people like, I just cooked a steak for 48 hours in my oven. It's like, so that, you want that, you don't want, you want that information, but you don't want anything counter to that. I hear you. <laughs> I'm just saying the people that cook the steak, they're just saying I'm looking forward to eating this delicious piece of meat. The vegan uh, guy like a Cam Newton's like, oh, my body's never going to be better. Uh, you know, this is the way it is a little preachy. It feels sometimes. Well, I'm think I, I just am, want to eat the steak. I'm mostly vegan and my body has never looked worse. So I, I am going to keep it real with you. <laughs> And I'm meat eater and my body's never looked so worse. Maybe it's just know, we're getting no, old. Right. Cam Newton, by the way, was a meat eater in 2015, all those years ago when he was the MVP. And um, I don't like to answer this, your though, question. Either. Well, jump on the football if you're going to eat like, I don't meat. like the – I do, to, in Mark's defense, I don't like the people who then are like, well, did you see Arian Foster's numbers after he went vegan? Like, that's annoying too. The, pe- the people claiming that vegan makes them better players are just – as annoying as the vegan, like not eating meat makes them worse players. It's just like, here's let the, them figure out their own diet. They'll, they'll, be Brady, fine. Here's, they'll be fine. Here's the nuance to the trope. And maybe Brady in so many ways is an outlier. The guy that you usually read about saying, I'm now a vegan and my body's never been better. It's usually a NFL star on the other side of the hill that is trying to recapture past glories and is looking to change up his mm. diet as part of that quest. Uh, and more often than not, I would imagine Arian Foster is the example than a guy changes up the diet and all of a sudden is as good as he was five years earlier. Well, it's also, it's, it's not, I don't think they're coming up with it on the fly in a vacuum. It's trainers, it's nutritionists with more information than they had in 1983. Um, but you're right. It's, it's people open to new solutions and so they are um, trying to save and lengthen their career. It's not the 22-year-old necessarily who is probably also out till three in the morning if he wants to be. And before you get on me on Twitter or, or the subreddit or whatever, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with people being vegan. I'm just having fun. Everybody just relax. And Greg, I have no problem with um, Cam Newton being on the Patriots. I know you want me to be really upset about it, but no, I'm really not. No, no. In fact, it's kind of fun. The Patriots being super boring wasn't a great hook as a guy that covers football and likes to dislike the Patriots Cam being in the picture makes them so much more interesting. And as I said on this show and on the network show before he signed, I was, I was rooting for the guy. I hope he does well. I don't hope the Patriots do well. I hope he's basically a lesser version of what he once was, uh, but I don't want him to fall on his face outright. It's a bit of a tricky uh, line uh, wired across as a guy rooting for Cam. But I will say this, Greg, you got Cam Newton there. Okay. You got Jared Stidham still waiting in the wings. Bill's still in the building. You got Sanu with the life coach living with him. All that's great. But I'll tell you something. Despite all that, the Patriots aren't special anymore. Mm. Well, that was that's all I'm saying is you were say you were your narrative was they were an irrelevant team. That was your big I didn't thing. Say you, irrelevant. To, you did, did you, not say irrelevant. 
think said they're not irrelevant. special anymore. <laughs> Maybe I said irrelevant once or twice. I think you said but irrelevant. Bigger point. So they're All relevant. Right. They're fun. All right. Good talk. Oh, I have an update. I've, I'm long overdue on an update. Developing news here. Yeah, we didn't want to press, um, but we've been waiting. Yeah, it's time for the update. What's going on with the Gatesville Messenger? People think that I'm ducking the story, and it's just it was a matter of timing and circumstance here in the middle of the summer. The Gatesville Messenger, for people that aren't aware of it, uh, since I got to Texas earlier this summer, I thought it would be um, fun and uh, good for both sides. The newspaper, the local paper of record in Gatesville, Texas, a small town in central Texas where my wife is from, to maybe do a uh, feature piece on the old Zeuser and the Around the NFL podcast coming to Texas and doing remote shows from a local insurance office uh, in the center of downtown Gatesville. And uh, I was approached by a reporter for the Gatesville Messenger who said, I'm going to come by the office. I'm going to interview you. I'm going to take a photo. And I, like I said, I was very excited and I wanted to be on the front page. And, and I saw that as almost a referendum on where I was in my life, whether I get front page status or if I'm buried within the messenger. And sure enough, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there is in the, in the back of the pay in the back of the paper, about 80 words, NFL network comes to Gatesville and I'm thinking, Oh, this is not good. The guy never showed up. He never showed up to the office. Uh, mm. the, the reporter, and I don't want to get on him too hard, but he told me the subject of the interview. Hey, I'll be there. I'm going to take a photo and we're going to talk. He just never shows. And then there's a blurb in the paper. Well, I come here to eat crow. But guess <laughs> what? Today I get a call from the editor in chief. OK, Okay, I get a phone call from the editor of the paper. It says, I don't want to get into the exact specifics of what she said, but along the lines of there was a miscommunication within our building. We would love to do a full feature story. We want a photo. Uh, she didn't say front page, but I think that's where this could be heading. And uh, she is assigning her top features story uh, columnist uh, to conduct a phone interview with me this week. And things are looking up for the old Zeuser and the Gatesville Messenger. That's all I'm going to say. It was looking very bad. Now it's looking very good. The saga continues. Well, I mean, if anything, <laughs> I you're... Can I can hear the disappointment. You're still no, deflated right I, now, Sessler. Not at all. If anything, it sounds like if they're assigning, you know, the Gatesville Messenger's top features um, reported to this, it sounds like um, front page material. And, you know, it's just nice to see your star rise in conjunction with the power in the readership of newspapers, which has never been, um, you know, more glowing than it is today. If you if you're doing anything, you're reading a newspaper right now. So. I did wonder what was the glow, the glow around Kansas today. I thought it was probably just a week off. A lot of great family time. He's back in Texas. But I don't know if that glow would be quite as bright if it wasn't for this call by, from the editor in chief. I don't think it would. Um, we will continue to keep you up to date with all the latest developments well, one thing, are you going to have the 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 reporter that basically, you know, we all heard that call. He was going to come down to the uh, insurance office where you were doing the show and, yes. um, you know, be there to listen to it. And are you has will he be fired? Are you, what is the repercussions for someone 
not covering. I wonder if they've heard. They might have. They might have heard the show too, and and realized they were getting some bad press here. She said uh, the woman said she was thankful that we've been talking about the paper, and and I don't want to say what's going to happen to that sports editor because I certainly didn't put in any phone calls, but it didn't sound like his boss was very happy. That's all I'm going to say. It's not my. This is not my department. I'm just happy to be in contact. Uh, with the, the top of the food chain and uh, things are going very well. And we will keep you updated on everything surrounding the Gatesville messenger and the old Zeuser, a potential front page headline. You know, you guys think this is just like some filler content to get us through the summer. This is probably going to be the biggest story in September too on this pod. <laughs> Who's you guys? Not we think that's like we just got into Dan subconscious there. He said, "No, he it said might the, be the only thing we the have quiet, to talk about." The quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, it might be the only thing we have to talk about. Is that's what I mean. true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's so. all we got. <laughs> all right, that's what's happening in the news. All right, so. We're fully aware, if you've listened to what's happened in the show so far today, of the hurdles that exist um, to get players on the field. And even if and when that happens, is this going to work? I was extremely um, lifted up. You want to talk about a glow, Greg, watching the Yankees and Mets in two um, exhibition games in the city uh, over the weekend where it just felt like it was working. It felt like real baseball. Uh, with the exception of the crowd noise, which I really think the NFL needs to uh, steer clear of the the fake crowd noise. I don't know no, yeah. why we feel like we should be doing this. And I know it's not just happening in baseball. It's happening in soccer and it's happening. It's good in the across Premier the world. League, I think the I, it's funny. I sort of but isn't it around. kind of silly. It, it is. But at least with I think I think baseball is a little different. But soccer, it's such a part of like the low hum and the and the like it like sort of lets you know because if you're not like watching every second i think it makes more sense in soccer though than baseball and it's tricky you got to get it right i think they've gotten it right like on the nbc broadcast i mean uh, soccer is hypnotic like soccer right. when you listen and you to hear soccer, the rise but you know to like right. look up you know it's like stuff I, like that <laughs> football has that too but i think that aren't we just like a little too savvy to not be That's distracted I mean. by football right i, I i'm with you i, I, I don't need to suffer with football may- i think it made me think as someone of a certain age, when you think about what are the major things that have happened in our lifetimes, the two biggest things to me, 9-11 and now the coronavirus. And I remember when 9-11 happened, there were some things now when you look back are a little cringy uh, because everyone was just trying to like get through it and trying to think of ways to make life a little bit better. It's like when uh, Fred Durst was doing charity songs uh, and uh, rapping about 9-11. And it's like, oh, it was for charity. And the moment it was like, all right, that's fine. And now you look back at it and things like that just seem cringy for the time that it took place in. That's how I feel like we're going to look back at the sports with the the canned crowds. Like everybody was doing it it because we just want to feel like life is a little bit normal. But then down the line, maybe it will be a little cringy. That's all. I know. But it was good to watch sports this weekend. I'll tell you what. That was nice. But anyway, this segment is ignoring all this negative noise all around us for just a moment. We're not we're we're not um, being soldiers of the league here and being like, everything's fine. Keep keep walking along and the football's coming July 28th. Everything is good. Please pay me. That's not what this is about. We are fully aware of what's going on. We just spent like 40 minutes on it. So they know they know (laughs) if if they've made it this far, unfortunately. (laughs) 
Today's segment is everything is fine. Everything's fine. Let's talk about football. That's it. That's it. We're talking about things that we, under normal circumstances, right, Greg, would just be excited to talk about with a a, a season coming up. Right. And some show, you know, maybe we've leaned into it too far the other way because we're we're a news show. That's sort of how we started. And so that the news is dark right now. But it's crazy because I do have to, you know, you have to live with the reality that there's there is a chance week one's going to start on time or close to on time and it's like we we do need to be prepared for that and i do feel like it's tricky of course we're distracted it's the most distracting thing ever but at some point we sort of we need to be ready we need to be preparing our uh our listeners for this season too if it's gonna happen we gotta start getting excited about it it's almost like you feel a little guilty just talking right. about football and it you makes do. you seem like you're being willfully ignorant. Well, if that's what it is, so be it. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about something fun. Let's talk it's about, about football time. and what could come in six to eight weeks. You started off, Mark. You know, for me, because I, this is like what, what would get me excited and what, um, what's ahead that I'm genuinely intrigued by. And I, so I'm not, I think you know me well enough. I'm not going to fake it and just say, this thing gets me going. It there are there is something that happens every year though, and it's the fact that we're nice sitting here in July and we have no idea. Um, me personally, what happens to me because my team is always like a flaming train wreck that crashes into a mountain by week four. So I don't. When things are going great for your team, it's great to be charitable and love all these other teams and have this great time. When you're personally on fire, I'm looking for like things different than just like major teams. And so what I always have every year are like kind of new heroes and guys mm. that come out of the woodwork that I wouldn't even know. Like last year at this time, no idea who Gardner Minshew was. Didn't care. No idea that David Blau would become a central part of my <laughs> adulthood. No idea that both Scarborough, these guys started um, beloved fan clubs, the Scarborough heads, the Blauhards, the Minshewians. And so I'm wondering like three months from now, let's just say everything starts on time. Who has captured no, my heart? Is. Someone, what? It is. It is. In this exercise, it is. Everything's fine. It's great. Everything's Everything's great. And there's going to be seven or eight, you know, new people that I absolutely enamored with who tell the story to the season the way that I like. I could think of someone like Jalen Hurts maybe comes in and does a lot of special stuff. And then suddenly you've got a Jalen Hurts so good fan club. That could be fun. Like there, who knows? There's so many possibilities out there. And you got more, you got more uh, pretend names. No, because I'm not, you know what I let, uh, that's the one thing that I just let come to me organically. And I'm going to let well, it that's happen. That's the whole again. hook, right? Right. Guys that you wouldn't even think of to be able wouldn't to make up fake about. fan clubs about. So we need it. We need the season to start on time because I need these people in my life. You've always been a fan of the underdog in football, mm. Mark. You do latch on to those People. Maybe it goes all the way back to your love of Bernie Kosar, a man on the surface, had no business being a star NFL quarterback and then turned into one of the great gunslingers of the of your formative years. Well, that's one way to put his career. <laughs> I could spin it very differently than that. I think he was a a national title winning college star who you know No, that's that's a way better setup for Bernie Kosar. Okay. Mark, I guess I Mark, just the eighties the eighties perm that certain guys had, I always I struggled to take them seriously. Well, you know who else had that perm? Dan Marino, and I. It was it was mm. hard to take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I uh, Mark marks into uh, into underdogs. I I am realizing as you say that I'm sort of into divisions. Like I I, I like love the I love the rivalries. I sometimes pick divisions. I've always been into the NFC South, but I'm really excited about the AFC West this year. 
just thinking about like the matchups in that division. The Chiefs to me are like the most exciting defending champion. Like in terms of just like I'm still at that point. Maybe I'll always be at that point with Patrick Mahomes. I am looking forward to watching them play every week. I don't care if they're too good. Like I don't care if they crush everyone. It's like the most to me. He's the most exciting player just about that we've ever covered. But then those rivalries in that division are sneaky fun. And I think that that division is sneaky fun, that every matchup that you can kind of put out there is kind of fun this year. The Raiders rolling out like this 1980s offense. Nate Nate Tice called it that on um, on the Mina Kimes show last week. And it's true. Like they, it's three tight ends. It's running. It's basically doing what Bill Walsh would do if, if he was still alive. It's all these completions. It's like it's that style versus the Chargers with with Tyrod, which I, I just think is going to be a little more fun and a little more interesting than people think, and a ton of like mm. defensive stars. And then it's the okay. Broncos, who I am liking. That I went back and watched these quarterbacks, and Drew Locke I am more excited about than I was. He's got big-time players around him in terms of Sutton and Judy and the two running backs. And the, the fans of these, fan, these teams are great. Like, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs fans, they get after each other. It's because they've had these rivalries for the most part for so long and there hasn't been a lot of change. And to me, like this is a fascinating division where anything can happen and they have the most fun team in the Chiefs. I'm with you. It's going to be very competitive and uh, maybe the Chiefs are the heavy favorite and they are. Right. But, but, but especially the games with an extra wild card in, team. Right. And they're fun yeah, when they're no, involved. If you run- think about when the Chiefs struggled last year, it was some of those, um, some of the division games you know, not not against the Raiders, but uh, again, certainly against the Chargers. And I think the Broncos are going to be really frisky. Well, it's also the what could go wrong factor with Kansas City, because it's easy and, you know, nothing is happening right now to ticket them, ticket them for four or five more Super Bowls. But we talked about this on our network show like that just doesn't happen. These teams have a season where you think they're set up to win for the next win, win multiple titles. And then something disastrous occurs. So there is the other shoe drop That's- scenario with Kansas City. I shouldn't bring it up in this conversation, uh, but one thing we can't will into existence with positivity and looking the other way is that there's not going to be most likely anybody watching these games in the crowd. That That's going to make these AFC West battles different. Part of the fun <laughs> of it is the stadiums going bonkers uh, with, uh, you know, passion and electricity, but that is what it, it is. I guess the only one I can't, the Chargers, I just struggle to get pumped up about because Tyrod Taylor, bores me to tears as a quarterback and Herbert's a guy the their first pick that you you heard some mixed things about coming out of college the offensive line's not better so he might be in a bad situation uh that's the I only team that maybe doesn't jump back yeah, out I to me be frisky Eckler and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and and Derwin James and Joey Bosa and Desmond, it's just like they got a lot of they got a lot of, Chris Harris is there now. It's like they got a lot of players that are pretty fun to watch on that roster if they can figure out you know how it all works. Um, I want to talk about what's going on in Chicago. I know it's on some level um, been driven into the ground already, but I don't care because now it's really going to happen. One of the more interesting quarterback competitions that. I can remember from a summertime perspective between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, because both guys have such great background here and things have only ramped up more around Mitch Trubisky with this Patrick Mahomes heat of winning Super Bowl MVP and now getting a, a half a billion dollar contract and all that heat around Trubisky who's drafted ahead of Mahomes and Watson. Of course, now he gets his 
one last chance to make things right. And then Nick Foles, who was always going to be an intriguing figure in the NFL uh, for what happened in, uh, in Philadelphia with the two playoff runs, especially the first one that led to the Super Bowl title, title and an MVP. And after a completely lost year in Jacksonville, this is kind of his last chance, I think, to put himself on the radar as a starter. Both guys desperately need to get their careers back on track. Only one guy gets to be the starter. Yes, is it, it's more likely that both guys will end up starting and whoever wins the battle um, may end up starting only a few games. And Trubisky feels like the favorite, at least to come out of camp. But there's also other elements of it that are interesting. The fact that there might not be a preseason, so the camp is going to be complete. The camp competition will be completely about what's happening on the practice field. And, and how does Matt Nagy make sense of that? I'm just really looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out because Trubisky is a borderline tragic figure at this point in Bears history where and Foles is just like a really likable guy that has had highs that really uh, not many people have ever reached in the league. I mean, I think that they I feel like they've been sheltering Mitch Trubisky about as much as a, you know, top two quarterback pick has ever been sheltered. And if anything, you if you want to flip the script on him, I would view Foles as the heavy, heavy favorite, especially mm. in a preseason list. Uh, you know, off season where three coaches on the offensive side of the ball have worked with Nick Foles and all signed off on paying him a lot of money. And if anything, if we assume, and I'm with you, that Nick Foles will probably play and then so will Trubisky, have Trubisky come in and be the guy that, um, you know, get, that they're cheering for because Foles potentially fails or he succeeds. I would be shocked if Trubisky won that job. I would I would really question what's happening there if that's the trajectory. Would also raise the question: What is a camp battle going to be like this year? You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, there's going to be less reporters there. It's going to take a little while to ramp up. Um, there'll be like a whole new, I think, COVID-related series of tropes. So that's exciting. Everything's fine. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be like COVID tropes of like how they're surviving this particular weird camp battle. And for what it's worth, back in May, Nagy said that both Foles and Trubisky will play with the starters during the preseason. While it's probably not going to be a preseason or anything close to what was imagined uh, back in the spring. So, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for the coaching staff to discern who is the guy who should be starting with the team. We'll see where that goes. Anybody else have another one? I have one quick one because the other thing I get into are certain seasons. I can think of like the 2012 campaign when the read option and college stuff hit the, the NFL play callers. And it just was this, you know, revolution. I think most college fans were like, well, we've been watching this for a decade, but suddenly it's new to you, but it was a fascinating season because of RG three. And you had, you know, the rise of Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson and others that, I want to see coming out of this really, really weird preseason. We're going to go into week one. Everything is going to be great. But what does it mean strategy-wise? I'm with you. It's going to be great. But I, I wonder if there is a huge advantage for a team like the Baltimore Ravens who, uh, you know, it's going to take probably a month plus for these passing attacks to get in sync. You're a run-heavy offense. You ran the ball 98 more times than the second most run-heavy team in the league last year. You can stick to that versus having to change it. Um, it fits your scheme so well. They have like five running backs that could start all over the place. And maybe it's a team like the Niners that, you know, that we hear that Raheem, Raheem Mostert is talking with the team again. That trade is not going to happen, please. That these two, the two most run-heavy teams in the league, could get off to fast starts based on the fact that, 
you know, life and football take time to plan and the planning process just won't be there the same way that it's been there in the past. Who are the rookies that thrive right, right away? Mm. Running backs. Like it's like, it just seems like a good situation for an old school run heavy first month of football. It, I agree. And I also think it's a, it's, so much of this season's gonna be. I know we're, you know, everything's fine, and it, it is. But I, if you want to spin it positive in that way, it's like it's great. This it being so different is an opportunity for a lot of coaches and, and players, but especially coaches to stand out, to do things either a little different or have their team a little more together than other teams. Like, and in theory, it, the NFL usually doesn't work like this, but it's been going that way. Like, it's an opportunity to be a little more creative and a little to think a little different, like Mark saying, like some teams that are zigging like that. And it certainly worked last year for the Ravens and Niners might, might come out like a house on fire. If, if they've got their stuff together. What, what uh, if one team, what if one team said, forget everyone and for, you know what, you have nice families, but you're going to see them in six months. We're going to, we're going to bubble. We're the one <laughs> team that's going to do this. That. They're not going to let them do that. I'm just saying like, well, that could be the way that you, by the way, you're team. describing, no, you're describing what it's like to be on the new England Patriots. That they're they going to thrive in this setting. They come to they're mind. absolutely going to thrive in this scenario. I just I'm a little worried about that because I don't think they're a talent rich team anymore and they're not special. But if I had to pick one team that will handle this better, it would probably be the Belichick team. Remember, like when they got rid of a, September. Remember when they find Adelius Thomas because he couldn't drive through the snowstorm to get to practice or whatever. <laughs> like it's gonna be, it's gotta be like that. I'm gonna throw out a couple quick ones since you didn't. How about Odell Beckham? How about the blonde Odell Beckham? He's blonde. He's back. He's sick of being humble, just like Cam Newton. I don't know if you saw some of those. Trouble alert. Like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see OBJ on, um, you know, on ten or what? If that was, I mean, I don't know. Some of this stuff is him just making up stuff after the fact. How about Odell Beckham play a little better? Everything put, got put on that injury. Come down with a contested catch. I don't know. He was moving pretty well some of that time. So even though he was injured, he did not play that well. And this is one of the most transformative players that Chris Wessling um, like to call him. I've, he's ever seen that I've ever seen. He, he just didn't have a good season. And I think um, for whatever reason, Baker was part of that. There's a lot that was part of it. But he didn't play well. Odell Beckham didn't play well. I think that got lost like a little bit. There were so many balls he did not come back down with that he could. And it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out and you get you get the best Odell Beckham. I, well, I believe one that, point that you on, should. That you should. One thought on Beckham, and I think this has been glossed over, is that he's always been injury prone since he came into the league. Yeah. And the, the one concern with him is that especially as he's getting older, and I think he's still only 28 or something, but is this just a guy that his body isn't built to play 16 games on a regular basis? So I think when he's healthy, like right now, I believe him when he says, I've never felt better and I'm as explosive as ever and my blonde hair and now I feel like I'm myself again, whatever that means. But what happens when the contact starts? Can he stay healthy and stay explosive? Well, uh, to, to, he played through it. I mean, there are other wide receivers that might not have, they would have used it as a reason and as a, in a season going south to get out of there. I can think of another receiver in the state of Ohio that never played a game last year, and I think he could have towards the end of the year. Oh, A.J. Green taking fire in a pick. Well, well, I thought it was I mean, Antonio Brown. I was in A.J. Green <laughs> could have played at the end of the year, I think. They, they, they advertise that from October on. Now, I, you know, I don't know what was going on with his body, but Odell Beckham played. Right, I'm not getting on him for playing wire. through injury, but I also think a lot of, at some point you have to judge what's out on the field. And he also moved really well a lot of the time. So yes, that part of it was confusing to me that when I was seeing him dust people um, and, and the contested catch that, you know, it's just, I just, I think 
I I'd like to think that we have not seen the best of Odell Beckham, or at least that that we'll see the best of Odell Beckham again. And and this is this is a prime year to do it. That's all. The reason he's not on the Giants anymore is because he drove them crazy. Right. <laughs> right. Right, which is not he, done in Cleveland, but you need you, well, you need to see him in an organized crazy In terms of you know whether he can be ever be that guy again that he was earlier in his career, he's certainly a guy to get behind. I listen, Mark. You you always think that I'm coming after the Browns. I think he can certainly still be that guy. And if Baker can clean things up, they're going to be a monster offense potentially. Right. That's, There's that's a lot all. of reason to be excited. To me, Jarvis Landry is a really fun player to watch. Nick Chubb is a fun player to watch. If you actually got peak Beckham and then, you know, you got Njoku and Hunt who are, who are, are good and, and fun too. But th- that's like a, a handful of pretty special and unique players on the, on the same team. And I know we kind of talked about that last year and everything, but they're still there. And I think it could be pretty fun. My last one really quick. The Bengals could be a lot of fun to watch this year. We've been hitting on this uh, on the show. But if Joe, Joe Burrow, who seems like an Andrew Luck type guy where every five or six years someone comes into the league and it just feels like it's a slam dunk. Matthew Stafford was another one, even though that took a couple of years to get rolling because of injuries. If he hits the ground running with that offense, the Bengals could be like a playoff team potentially. And that would be, I think people are going to be shocked if the Bengals are in the mix in December because football will be playing in December because nothing is wrong. Everything's uh, fine. I, I won't be uh, because I think if you have the everything's about the quarterback. Everybody knows that. Like if you get that guy in place, uh, things could change very quickly. And uh, if you're a Cincinnati fan, this is why Wes, especially in this time when he's he's down on the canvas and he's working to get his way back again. I feel like this is when he should fall in love with the Bengals again. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna text him after the show about this. I'm gonna that say may I know not you got be the what red. he needs right now. <laughs> the Bengals. This is the time. I've been saying this is the time to embrace the Bengals again in this time of he, he's uh, where they can really I, take care of you. Yeah. I don't know if he'd go full on, but he has kind of admitted, I think, on this show and and to us that, you know, this this is the the most excited he's been about them in, in a long time. Yeah, that said, does Wes strike you as someone when a, another man comes and says, you will now be a fan of this team that he's just going to go do it. I don't, that's not the West that I'm familiar with. So no, probably you know, you're right about that. Uh, and you mentioned Antonio Brown, Greg, he sent a, uh, a flurry of tweets today. Let me just read them. I, I almost take this with the same grain of salt and the importance in the news cycle as, as I treat Kanye West talking about Harriet Tubman during uh, campaign rallies for president. But here are the tweets, Antonio Brown. Is it time to walk away? I done everything in this game. That was a weird one. I don't I, That's a tough one to put together. Next uh, tweet. At this point, the risk is greater than the reward. Thank you, everyone who, who's been part of this journey. I sincerely thank you for everything. Life goes on. 84. And then another one. I came. I saw. I conquered. Mission complete. Call God. Mission complete. Call God. So I guess he, Antonio Brown retired today. I don't know. I get someone pointed out, I guess he's done this two other times. So that I didn't realize that. He's Since done, September. He, Right, he's retired a few other times, so I guess we'll we'll save the the Antonio Brown Hall of Fame discussion um, for another day. Can we but fire way, Antonio but, Brown? Hey, by the way, the done. people having those discussions, you're you guys are crazy. He's the best receiver I've ever seen. I mean, that, I think people are getting a little too crazy of like Antonio Brown was such a mess and how it's ended. That's like you're, you're crazy. He was the best. Do they receiver, have something better receiver to in the talk league about at the right same now. time? Right. And I don't Why know. is that happening right now? I we'll, mean, wait. we'll wait. We'll wait. Oh, wait. I feel like we should fire the story into the sun until a team. Okay. Works I agree. I think you're right. You're right. 
Ricky, fire that thing up, right? Peace. All right. Before we go, let's spin the wheel of teams. Yeah, it's still happening. You thought it was over. It ain't. <laughs> Spinning the wheel of teams wherever it lands. That is the team we'll do a deep dive on for Wednesday's show. Ricky, the wheel has now eliminated, what, six or seven teams. It is time now to spin it again. Hit All it. right, here we go. Spinning, spinning. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's on the New York Jets. Oh, oh it's Van Green. Your worst nightmare confirmed. <laughs> I oh, mean, Greg, Greg's well, so now, well, I'm just thinking back to the conversations before the show where Dan is, you know, pushing the let's let's do this one more time. Yes. And then yes. I, I even see as the, we, you know, our listeners can't see it, but you can check it out. Um, I don't know if you put this on Instagram or not. The, the wheel suddenly like stops and like jerks back a little unnaturally <laughs> right when it gets to the Jets. And it just it, everything doesn't feel totally above board here. That's all. Yeah, there were there were issues out of the gate when I, you know, casual randomly... character assassination from Greg. Nothing. <laughs> no, I here. think it's I think Greg is on point. I mean, when we when we correctly p- predicted the team uh, the first time, people thought, is this fixed? What are these guys up to these clowns? Um, those questions went away, and I think that they've returned. Um, well, especially because this is the last one. It's like, oh, it just happens to hit us. Erica, do you want to clear my Every name if you would? Every time I've done the exact same thing, Dan or any of us had no clue what was, okay. what was going on. Okay. I believe all right, well, so that. On Wednesday that clears show, up all issues. On Wednesday's show, we will have uh, mm. someone that connected to the Jets beat that we love and respect. A lot of good options. A lot of, a lot of good options. options. Mm. Uh, so tune in for that. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, Mark, I'm sorry. Listen, I know you wanted to be the Browns. It didn't. It went the old Zeusers way. What are you going to do? Well, it just sounds like a lot less heavy lifting for the rest of us because it's going to be sort of a Dan and whoever he picks to come talk about the Jets, you know, one-on-one festival. So, well, and a treat you know. and a treat for the listeners to finally hear about this team in, <laughs> right. in New York. This, you know, this scrappy little unmentioned entity. All right. Uh, whoa. What was that? Uh-oh. Who are you? Where do you come from? Bill. Are you listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? <laughs> All right, I can't do too many more of these shows. I got to get out of here. O'Brien is out of control. That's Texans coach and general manager Bill O'Brien. Well. Prove that it's not. All right. Good show, guys. Good to be back. Hit the music, Ricky. Okay. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Rick Hollywood, from her apartment. Oh, yeah. Everything's fine. Till Wednesday. It took me until just as you were wrapping up to realize where that guy was from. I, 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 made a good, I was waiting I, for someone. I, I, I could, it, it couldn't. I couldn't place it, and then right at the end, I did, and then it was too late to make a little uh, play on words from the "We're not gonna take it" video, right? Yeah, twisted sister. <laughs> I should have known. We played. We played. We're not gonna take it at a talent show once. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, you leave all this stuff on the on the floor. I'd love to hear that. Bro, it's all going in. <laughs> Good. Got to go. It was great. We that was a Were you be Snyder? It, yeah, me and one other guy saying uh, we that was different than Delaware. I think we called ourselves for that one performance the um, the power to a posse. <laughs> what? Greg. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.